You know, there's a legendary story in my family. And sometimes if you listen to me and Kathy, uh, we, we'll kind of say this phrase uh, when we're talking to each other. And it's kind of a little code in our lives because... My mother never knew how to use the answer machine, or at least it took ages for her to learn that you have to speak after the beep. And so she would, it would click in, and she'd listen to the message, then she'd start speaking and say all the information, and then there would be beep, and one famous thing, we even use it with our two girls, she, the, the beep went beep, and she, and she went, so ring me and let me know, and put the phone down. She did all of her message before the beep and just simply said, so ring me back and let me know. And so it's a little code. Sometimes in our family we go, so ring me and let me know when we want some information back. You know, but we knew who it was because we knew my mom's voice. We, 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 we kind of, anybody else we would have thought, well, what a strange message. But we knew it was my mother because we knew her voice. I called somebody this week and he reputedly is one of my best friends. Now, I say reputedly because this is what happened. I called and said, hey there, and I'll leave his name out, but he knows who he is. I'll leave his name out. And I said, hey there, and he went, hey, and I said, it's Mark. And he goes, Mark who? I was gutted that he didn't know who I was. But have you heard, have you actually had that experience where somebody calls you on the phone and they obviously know you but you don't know them. Has that happened to you, or is it just me? You know, I mean, some of you as congregation members, you can call me up, and you expect me to know everything about you, your children, and so on. Well, look out over here. It's really unfair. But I love it. You know, sometimes we're like that with God. We don't really know Him, so talking to Him is a chore. And we could say lots of things about God today. We could talk about his, you know, his all wisdom and so on. And we could talk about many things. A.W. Tozer, the Puritan uh, holiness theologian, said this, What comes to your mind when you think of God is the most important thing that affects anything else in your life. That when you imagine what God's like and, and how he talks to you, then that will affect how you pray to him. Of course, the way we were brought up has, has often affected our view of God, the way we were parented. Uh, for some of us, we may have had difficult parenting relationships, and that's kind of made us feel that God's like that. You know, that sometimes we think that God is just grumpy, that we have to convince him to do some things for us, or, or God's one of those... Um, moody parents where you don't know which dad you're going to get today? Is it going to be the dad that's really cool and, you know, yes is everything, and then on the next day it's the dad who you can hardly speak to? That's difficult growing up in that, isn't it? Or, or you get the Santa Claus kind of parents who feel that the, the only way to, to, to help you is to kind of buy you gifts all the time, so when you come to God, you can't understand sometimes why he might say no. But then there are those people who I, I call them the Play-Doh they make, or the plasticine. They make God in their own image. Well, I just think God should be like this. And God's thinking, well, I'm who I am. You have to learn who I am and relate to me the way that I am. And then when you learn how I am, you'll be able to speak to me. 
And so when we think about praying to God, we've got to kind of, well, not kind of, but definitely understand something good, uh, something important about him, and that is that he is good. That he's a good, good father. And you can say lots of things. It's multifaceted. But I want you to just look on your outline there. In Psalm 100 verse 5, it says, The Lord is always good. He's always loving and kind. And his faithfulness goes on to each succeeding generation. Because God is good, you can pray. Because God is good, you can pray knowing that he has the best at heart for you. Because he's good. You don't have to try and convince him out of a mood or convince him to not be grumpy or anything like that. Or to convince him that, that you're worthy. He's good. And he's going to act according to his goodness. Now, as soon as we say, to a, a, particularly to an audience like this, as soon as we say, oh, God's God, God is good. There'll be some people who say, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this that happened to me? What about this? What about this that's happening in the world? What about this? And, and you know, that's a huge question. But one of the, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be simplistic, but if I can be clear, one of the important things for us to understand is that w- within limits, but a, a real huge limits, God has given us a free will. He's given us a choice. You see, God doesn't want you to be a robot or an automatic follower of him, he says, I love you, I want to be in relationship with you, and so I'm going to give you your choices. And, and so as we exercise our free will, sometimes, and when lots of people do this en masse, and lots of people exercise that free will in a way that's against God, and a way that's against his ways, then the world can become a very difficult place. And can I just be honest for a moment? There's been times in my life when I've made some choices that I had to pay for later. And they were not good. And God almost had to wind those back in my life. So, so often because of our experience, we say, how can you say that God is good? But just one part of that answer is, is because you've got a good characteristic about you it's a free will it's a blessing and a curse now we understand God and we we tear through the layers of perhaps some of our experience and see how he reveals himself and you begin to understand that he's good he's got good intentions for you then it helps us to pray then we can begin to say okay let me now begin to come to you more often. Prayer becomes more of a delight than a duty. Let me, I'm going to share, there are five spaces on your outline to fill in. I'm going to share four, uh, and, and the fourth one more importantly, and then I'll reference the fifth one. But let me share four important things why God is good. Fill it in if you want to. Because God is always good, God has good plans for your life. Because God is good, God's plans for my life will always be good. Now, this is a very famous scripture, so I've put it on the outline in a different translation. I know what I've planned for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, plans not to hurt you, 
My plans will give you a hope and give you a good future. And when you call to me and pray to me, I will listen. Whether you think that you were an accident or whether you have been brought up as as feeling a little bit unwanted, it's in prayer that you begin to realize, you know, God's got some plans for me. In fact, in the scripture, in Psalm 31, verse 19, it actually says, how abundant are the good things that you have for me, Lord. And for those, those who fear you, you have stored up blessings. That's an amazing thing, that God actually has some things that he's got in store for you. He's got intentions. He said, oh, I'm just saving that for you. That's a great blessing. And he's waiting for you to grow to the place where you can receive it. He's got good plans for you. In fact, God's plans for you. He's sitting down, scheming all the time, thinking, how can I make this life the most fruitful and blessed? God's got great plans for you. He's intentionally planning blessing and purpose for you. Can you imagine that? That God's actually sitting down saying, now how can I get Kathy to be so fruitful? I need to talk to that Mark and crack him around the head and get him out the way of her life or something. But he's planning things. You see, the world, it, it is a broken place. But God can take that which is broken and, and, and he can kind of redeem those pieces or buy back those pieces and fit them together. Even the broken things in your life. I, I've been watching Britain's best home cook. Okay, I've been watching it on my own then. You, you don't watch TV in your house. And what I've noticed is, have you noticed that the ingredients aren't very good on their own? I mean, how many of you like to eat flour? You know, just get a handful of flour and you put it in your mouth. How, how would that be? Or, you know, some olive oil and just oh, glug it down. Or the Italians, they're going, yeah, that's my drink. You know, but, uh, you know, uh, you know or some of you, you know, you, you, know, you get some, some bitter herbs. Or, you know, how many of you like a, a, a kind of piece of butter and you just chew it? You like it? Mmm, yum. This is great. Or salt. But you put those ingredients together, and it, you, know, you crack an egg and put it in there. And there's only the bodybuilding people amongst you who like crack eggs in a cup and drink it down in the morning. Oh, that's kind of weird. But I'm not calling you weird. I, you know, I take that back. But it is really weird, isn't it? You know, the, those bodybuilding, you know, they just drink raw eggs. You know, you do that. And all of those ingredients separately, they, they can be a little, little not tasting. And there are parts of your life that at the moment you, you've seen that ingredient, but you haven't seen the big plan, the big cake, the big plan that God's going to mix all that together and it's going to come out all right. Somebody say amen and encourage me. It's going to be all right. At the moment, you've got bitter in your batter, but God's going to make it better. You know? Hey, that's all right. Somebody should tweet that. God's going to put a bit of bitter in your batter, but God's going to make it better. 
You know, it's going to be all right when God puts it all together. Some of you are eating a raw egg. But God's going to mix it. And it's going to become something really good. I've noticed that sometimes we suffer on behalf of other people. Parents know this. You make sacrifices for other people. You, you know, but Joseph in the, in the Bible said to his brothers, your plan was to hurt me, but God turned your evil plan into a good plan to save the lives of many people. It's technically called redemptive suffering. And do you know that some part of your plan will be to sacrifice or even suffer on behalf of other people? And you will love the fact that Jesus did that for you. But the student is not different than the master. There will be times in your life when you'll have to lay it on the line so that other people's lives can be better. In our culture, we don't like saying this, but God's got some plans for you so that you can help other people. God is good. And he's using things that you go through to grow your character. You see, your stuff... You know, you know, I hate to say to your worship team, but these guitars, they're not going to make it to heaven. But your character is going to make it there. Your, your, your character is what God is forming. And he's using these things to form you to be like Christ so that not only can you be blessed, but purposeful in this world. So, number one, God has got good plans for you. Despite what you may be going through right now. Look on your outline. Number two. Because God is good, he gives me what I need, not what I deserve. We read this on Tuesday night in Psalm 103, verse 10 and 11. It says, he has not treated us to how we deserve for our sins or paid us back to our, for our wrongs. In his goodness, he's taken our sins away and removed them as far as the east is from the west. God forgives us, not because we are good, but because he's good. He's good. He forgives us. You know, David was a great king, but he was a flawed person. And, you know, having slept with somebody else's wife and then killed the husband in Psalm 51, he comes back to God and says, have mercy on me, O oh God. Don't treat me how I deserve. And, you know, some of us, we need to hear that, that no matter what you have done, God isn't going to treat you how you deserve. You might be sitting around in church and looking at these people and thinking, man, they are so together. I'm not together. And God's going to say, I'm going to have you back anyway. You know, I've been a pastor for a while. And I know that you've got a secret. And in a few minutes, I've asked the media team to place it on the screen. No, no, seriously. And your secret is this. It's, it's a kind of common thing that we all struggle with. Your secret is you don't want to be rejected. That's why some of you, you go to a wedding and somebody says, hey, come and have a dance and celebrate with me. And you're going, oh, I'm not dancing. No, people, people might think I'm weird or I don't want to be rejected. And the underlying thing is you just don't want to be rejected. You know, I've been in this, years, this church for 11 years and I just cannot get that electroglide slide dance that the guys do sometimes. You know, when you go along and you go back and go around. I look like some weird robot when I'm doing it. This year, I am going to master that dance 
And Karen, it's your job to teach me it. Because I know you can do it. You take up the challenge, Karen. Yeah, you don't want to be rejected, do you either? You know. But we just don't want to be rejected. And but you know what the Bible says? And the Bible says that even if my father and my mother abandon me, and that's true of some of you, the Lord says, I will hold you close. My enemies are waiting for me to fall, yet I remain confident that I'll see the goodness of the Lord while I'm living here in the world. Even if your mother and father abandon you, you will not be rejected by the Lord because he's a good, good father and he doesn't treat us according to our background or how we brought up or even the sins and mistakes we've made in his gracious, fatherly way. God wants us to come back so then we can be bold and be confident and go to the throne and ask for help in our time of need. God is so good. He wants you back. And if you've been away from church for a while, or if you kind of grew up with it or went to Sunday school and you're just kind of checking out church again, can you hear the words of a father? Not me, but the words from God. I want you back. I love you. You're not going to be rejected. And you can pray because you know, well, if you want me back, I want to talk to you. Number three, look at three on your outline. Because God is always good, he puts my good above above his own good. You would would be thinking to yourself, wow, this is almost heresy, or, or how can God do that? But let me just teach you something in the scripture. You know, it's the only story where the king dies for the servants. You know, if you read The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, you've, you've always got, you know, or Game of Thrones, not that I watch the early seasons, uh, you know, but the Game of Thrones, you know, and it's always all the servants who have to die for the king. They have to be loyal to the king. But in our story, it's the king who says, you're not dying for me, I'm dying for you. I'm saying that you're more important than me. In fact, Jesus said, I'm a good shepherd and I lay my life down for the sheep. What shepherd all over the world says, I'm going to die for my sheep? Only the good shepherd. In fact, the, the shepherds all over the, over the world shear their sheep and have their wool and they're their economic benefit. We've got a shepherd that clothes us, feeds us, and, and pours blessings into us. He doesn't use us. We are filled with him. So the good thing about God is he's always looking for your God. You see, the cross is the greatest symbol of God. But there maybe there's more. Can I, can I give you an illustration? There's more. And I want you to visualize this. I don't know, there's, there's nurses and doctors in the house, I know, and we all know about blood transfusions. But I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that there's a, there's a bottle here and a, and a tube going into, into me. Uh, and you see, what happens is, is that all the lies that I've told, all the bad thoughts, everything that I've done, all the, all the things that I've done wrong, they flow out. And, and if you can imagine Jesus, they flow out and they flow into him. 
So he says, I'll take your lies. I'll take your bad thoughts. I'll take your stealing. I'll, I'll take your immorality. I'll take everything that you've said, all the swear words, everything that you've ever, ever done. I take it on me. And actually, the, this is what the Bible teaches. It says that he became sin for us. He actually, it's not that he just looks at us and says, oh, I forgive you, bless you. No, he actually takes on the things that I've done and it flows into him. But wait a moment. You see, this is mind-blowing. Then everything that he is, it's like, if you imagine it this way, like a tube going into me. Everything that he is, all his compassion, all of his love, all of his righteousness, all of his wisdom, everything that he is, his heart for people, everything that he is, he flows it into me. It's a great exchange. I give him all everything that I've done wrong, and he gives me everything that he is. And this is what the scripture teaches. It says that we became, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? You see, God is God. And so if you're here today and you think, I have had a bad life and I am a bad person, you give yourself to Jesus and Jesus gives himself to you. Amen? Yeah, come on, let's give him praise. He said, Pastor Mark, what's, what's this got to do with prayer? Well, you know, the Bible says that if Since God did not spare his son in this way, would he not give everything up for us so that he also may give us everything we need? If he would do that for me, do you think that you could talk to him about your needs and that you could ask him some things? Do you remember that program, Deal or No Deal, with Noel Edmonds? You know, those red boxes, do you ever remember that? Uh, You know, uh, here's deal number one. You're a sinner and you're going. And you, you know, there's no, there's no payment. Deal number two, why don't you try and pay for your sins yourself? Or open the third box, deal number three, Christ pays everything. I would take that deal. I'm taking deal number three. Amen? Oh, somebody give him some praise. It's just good, isn't it? Isn't he good? He's a good, good father. Last thing, because God is always good. He does not say yes to all your requests. Oh, can I hear an amen, church? Because God is good, he does not say yes to all of your requests. As a loving parent and as a good father, there are times he always answers every prayer, but he doesn't always answer them the way that we want him to answer them. You know, Pastor Nick taught us last week, didn't he, that sometimes that God can say yes or no or wait. I just want to add a little thing. Sometimes God says, yes, no, wait. And sometimes he says, are you kidding me? You cannot be serious. You're saying you really want that? You know, some of you... You, you know, you're looking across and, you know, there's Mr. Muscle Man in the church and he can hardly fit in his shirt and you're thinking, oh, Jesus, give me that man. And the Lord's saying, are you kidding me? You are so not suited to him. 
And he is not suited. You know, some of you are looking over and thinking, Miss Saint of God, there she is. She looks so shapely in the dress because you're judging from the outside, not the heart. But anyway, she looks great in that dress. Oh, man, she's in church. Of course, I know none of you think this way in church, but I want you to meet your wife and your husband in church. So you might think this way sometimes. But anyway, you're looking over there and you're thinking, oh, she's good. Lord, if she comes to this aisle, surely it's your will. And we take communion together. Surely it's right. And God's saying, are you kidding me? Have you known your personality type and her personality type and you would just kill each other in the first year? I've got somebody much better for you and I've got somebody much better for her because you're not the plan either. Sometimes God says, no. See, God answers... Every single prayer he answers in four ways. Number one, when the request is not right, God says no. He won't always explain it to you. You see, we're okay with a no so long as we get an explanation. But actually, there are sometimes that God doesn't give you an explanation and you have to wait to heaven. I've got two children waiting for me into heaven. I don't know why. That it was a no, but it was a no. And sometimes God isn't going to explain the no to you. He just says no, and you have to begin to trust that He's good. He's good, and therefore He's got good plans for you. And so His no was for the best for you. When the timing's not right, sometimes God says, slow. Slow down. You know, he intends to give you this, but it's just not the right time. You know, those of you who got children, if they say to you, if they say, oh, can we go to the park today? And you say, we can't go this morning, we can go this afternoon. They go, oh, we can't go. And you say, no, it's just not yet. You see, immature people don't like to wait. It's because of our culture with our credit, you know, instant credit. I want it all. I want it now. The thing that killed Freddie Mercury, actually. You know, it's this kind of sense of we never wait for anything. Immature people see delay as denial. And any parent knows that if you just say, no, wait, it's going to happen, but you just have to wait. God sometimes says, slow. You can have that, but it's not yet. And then thirdly, when the request is right, the timing could actually be right, but you're not right. God says, grow. He says, come on, I want you to grow into this. I'm going to give you this, but you can't handle it yet. You know, I was just away uh, uh, last week in the, in the airport, and there was like a, a family. I thought it was going to be like home alone, because there's like a dad with four kids, and you know, there's there's like a, there's one of the little kids, he's pulling a huge bag. I don't know where the mom was at this time. I'm sure she was there somewhere. And she's pulling this, and he kept falling over, pulling this big bag. And I was thinking, he's going to get left behind. It's going to be home alone or something. You know, sometimes you're just not grown up enough to handle what God wants to give you. So he says, grow. So it's important right now that you think to yourself, I'm going to grow my prayer life. I'm going to grow myself. 
I'm, I'm not going to stagnate. Listen, is everything about your life, it's the walls are coming in. The routine is coming in. You're not open to new things. You know, when the church says, hey, come to this thing, you go, you've already decided in an instant, no, I'm not doing that. It's because your heart's small. You need to begin to grow. And then God's going to start answering things. And then lastly, when, the, when it's, the timing's right, you're right, everything's right, God says, go. And actually in my spirit, I, I just feel like I need to say to some of you, come on, go and get on with it. You've got every green light you need. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says slow. Sometimes he says grow. But then he says go. You see, Jesus said your fathers and mothers, they knew how to give you good things. And if you ask for a fish, would they give you a snake? Or if you ask for an egg, would they give you a scorpion? Of course not. You being Ordinary people, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for Him? You see, God's not wanting to hurt you. Sometimes we just don't know what we're asking for. And God in His loving parentage tells us, I need to protect you from even what you're asking for. And it's really important that you begin to see God as he is, not just through your experience. You need to be able to, you know, we were just praising the Lord. It's not how high you praise the Lord. It's how straight you walk when times are tough. When you say, God, I believe that you're good, even though this week has not been good. You know, there are times when God, in his wisdom, He is making tough calls over your life. But I know what the Bible says. It says his grace is sufficient for me. And it also says my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. And sometimes God just thinks on a higher level about our lives. I'm just going to wrap up right now. Just the worship team just to come back. But I just want to say to you if you're following in the outline. God, because God is good, he wants to invite you to live with him forever. And if you just get an eternal perspective that, hey, not all that this is going to last, that he'll give you eternal encouragement. When you get this eternal uh, perspective, then God is going to say, come to me, not just according to your circumstance or your feelings, but come to me how I am. Would you please stand with me? Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to use some language that may be unusual to some of you, but those of you who've read the Bible will understand that this is also a reality. You know, the devil is afraid of two things in your life right now. There are two things that Satan is so afraid of. Number one, He's afraid that you will walk in the plans that God has for you. Hey, just touch somebody on the shoulder and say, walk in God's plans. You see, the enemy is afraid that you're going to overcome some of the things that you've got in your life. In fact, even now, the enemy is going to say, 
you, you don't need this, you don't need this because he's so afraid. The second thing that, that the devil's afraid of is your prayers in faith to God, trusting him. So touch somebody on the shoulder and say, pray in faith. Pray in faith. Because the enemy is so afraid of that. And he wants to build up walls and strongholds around your life. But it's time for you to understand that God's a good God. He's got good plans for you. It's not just blessing all the way. Although his blessings are wonderful. He's got purpose for you. He's got direction for you. He's a good, good father. And so we're going to sing this song as a kind of prayer over our lives first. And then I'm going to ask you to come and take communion. But I'm going to ask those people who are here, and you may not know Jesus. You know that you're not a Christian. I'm going to ask you, do you want to come home to a good, good father? So you have to think about that while we're singing that song. And I'm just, I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. I don't want to surprise you in any way. If you're here today and you're not sure that like if you died tonight and God forbid that's not going to happen I'm not saying that will happen but if you died tonight would you go to heaven if you're thinking uh, I think so then you're probably not if you're thinking well, well I've been a good person you're not going to heaven it's only Jesus that can take you to heaven and having him in your life so as we sing this song I want you to just think about that and then some of you in a few minutes, we're going to ask you to come forward and we want to pray for you because you want to need, you'll need to lay some plans before the Lord. Some addictions and some attractions. And just say, you know what, God, it's up to you. Shall we sing together? Let's sing this as a prayer. Those of you who want to, just lift your hands with me and let's do that. Let's sing to Him. Thank you, God. Oh, Jesus, we just worship stories of what, of what they think you're like. They think you're like, but I've heard 